Morality 15, secular views. So secular, remember, means non-religious. So we we have the normal ones, the government and charities, etc. But I, I want you to try and focus on utilitarianism and Kantian ethics because you have to you know these two uh, moral theories anyway. So you as well knowing them and be able to apply them so it gives you a, a greater understanding of the course content. Um, so we'll look at the four purposes of punishment for... Um, uh, for both Kantian ethics and utilitarianism. So we'll start with utilitarianism um, and then we'll move on to Kantian ethics. So how would the utilitarian view protection? Protection involves locking a criminal up, cr locking a criminal up uh, to protect society from them. So like always, um, utilitarians will apply the greatest happiness principle to the moral problem. So by locking a criminal up, will it maximise pleasure and minimise pain? So we look at who's affected by this and we try and identify who's affected. Well, the prisoner being locked up and the victim being back in society. That's the primary level. Secondary level, we look at the families. Uh, sorry, sorry, back to the primary level. So, so the prisoner will be sad and the, the victim will be happy. We assume that they're locked up. Then we look at the secondary level, which is the victim families and those um, directly involved with it. So the criminal's family may be sad because he's locked up. The victim's family may be happy because, again, the same sort of thing. So, so far we've got a balance. Of it. But then we open up to society, and that's when we win the argument that if we ask society, should this person be locked up, would society be made happier by the person being locked up? The majority would say yes to that. So we have more happiness than pain caused by locking the guy up. So utilitarians would agree with protection as a purpose of punishment. So then we can look at uh, retribution. So would a utilitarian be for or against retribution? Well, we do the same thing. We apply the greatest happiness principle to see if society or the person and everyone involved would feel happy or uh, sorry, pleasure or pain by us seeking revenge on the person. So let's say it's uh, let's say it's an assault, um, and we're going to and we're going to. Um, punish the, the prisoner by locking him up or even executing him or something like that well we we ask him um, the we ask the prisoner would you be happy or would you feel pain by us seeking revenge on you we assume they're going to feel um pain because they're being removed from society um, and then we ask the same thing to the victim we assume the victim's going to feel happy as a result of it and we do the same thing with protection we go through the different levels and we're overwhelmingly we'll find that people will be in favour of us seeking revenge and society feels better, that the scales of justice have been balanced out and the person is getting his just deserves. So utilitarian on the surface would be for um, retribution. Act utilitarian, as remember, uh, applies the greatest happiness principle to specific situations. So if we apply the greatest happiness, like we just did, to a specific situation, we may feel that, um, yeah, a utilitarian still... Um, still supports uh, retribution as a purpose of punishment. However, if we look at real utilitarianism, real utilitarianism uses the greatest happiness principle to devise rules that maximise pleasure in the long term. The long term being the, the, the specific part that I want you to focus on. If society sought revenge for every single crime, if society sought revenge for everything, from theft, from, from not holding the door open for people, etc., in the long term, would we be a better country for it? And a lot of people would argue no. A lot of people would argue that, that by us constantly seeking revenge, it would damage our, our country, damage the, the feeling of our country, um, that we are a tolerant and uh, just society. And a lot of people would find that if we if we constantly sought revenge, if we constantly enacted vengeance on people, well then it would cause more pain in the long run. So it could be argued that a real utilitarianism, uh, sorry, real utilitarian would be against revenge, retribution as a purpose of punishment.
So then we can look at Kantian ethics views on the purposes of punishment. So how would a Kantian feel about deterrence? Um, deterrence, remember, is setting the, the punishment so harshly it puts other people off. Well, first of all, we identify the maximum. So a maximum in this, remember, being a, a moral law or moral rule would be if someone commits a crime, you punish them so harshly it deters other criminals from committing the same crime. So then we test the maxim through the categorical imperative. The first step being, um, can the maxim be universalised? So can every person everywhere deliver or deal out a punishment so harsh it puts other criminals off? Well, yeah, everyone can do that. They might not want to, but everyone can do that. So it passes the first test. The second part, does it use anyone as a means to an end? Well, yeah, it does. It's using the criminal in order to try and deter other criminals. We're using that person as a means to an end instead of an end in themselves. We're not respecting the individual, we're not respecting the person. So it fails the second test and then for the maxim is is, is wrong that a canteen would never support deterrence as a purpose of punishment. Um, what about reformation though? So reformation where we're making the person a better person. Um, the maxim being if someone commits a crime then we should try and treat them and try and figure out why they caused the crime, uh, committed the crime and help them become a better person. Can every single person everywhere follow the same maxim? Well yeah, um, they might not want to again because they might think it's too lenient but every person can do this, every person can help the individual. People might argue that not everyone has access to drug rehab and alcohol and mental health facilities, but everyone can take the time to sit down with a criminal and try and figure out how they got there, why they got there, and try and help them. Does it use anyone a means to an end, um, and does it, respect, does it respect the person? Does it use anyone as a means to an end? It literally respects the person. It, it, this is the only purpose of punishment, where the person is an end in themselves, as, as Kant would, would have wanted. So um, reformation as a purpose of punishment completely satisfies Kantian ethics. In fact, of the four purposes of punishment, re reformation is the only purpose of punishment that satisfies Kantian ethics. Um, whereas protection uses the criminal as a means to an end, deterrence uses the criminal as a means to an end, Re retribution arguably uses um, the criminal as a, as, as a means to an end. Um, so Kantian ethics would support reformation as a, as a purpose of punishment. So to summarise, um, when you're applying secular viewpoints onto the purposes of punishment, for utilitarianism you are going to apply the greatest happiness principle. Um, and if you've got if it's a big question that's asking for a lot, then you can apply act and rule at the same time. Um, with Kantian ethics, you're identifying the maxim and you are trying to see if it can be universalised and then you're going to see if it uses anyone as a means to an end. Most of the purposes of punishment for utilitarianism can be supported as long as it generates more happiness than it does um, than it does pain. Um, of the four of them, um, the weakest is probably reformation, that the deterrence, uh, retribution and protection generally generate more happiness, whereas reformation only generally creates happiness for the um, for the criminal themselves. For Kantian ethics, for the four purposes of punishment, um, Kant would, su would support reformation, whereas he would challenge um, uh, retribution, deterrence and protection.